Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. So Matthew chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verse 25. And the word of the Lord reads, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valued than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. The 19th century um, pastor and preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote, We cannot always trace God's hand but we can always trust God's heart. Which is exactly what we've been talking about in this series. We've been talking about trusting God. Especially when when things are hard. It's it's easy to trust God when things are good. It's easy to trust God when, when the sun is shining. It's easy to praise Him when the birds are chirping. But we're going to talk about trusting God, especially when, when everything around you says that you can't trust Him. We're talking about trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. And I know sitting right here this morning, worshiping the Lord, and, and being here together, smiling and, and loving on one another, we might be inclined to think, well, when does it ever not make sense to trust the Lord? Which is a good question, because as Christians, we know that we can trust God. As Christians, we know that we can rely on Him. We have the head knowledge to understand that we can depend on him and and, and have confidence in him and and rely upon him. We know that we can can trust him because God is sovereign and in control. We know that we can trust him because he's trustworthy and he always, always, always keeps his promises. We know that he's compassionate and that he loves us and he wants what's best for us. And so we know these things because the Bible, God's very own word, tells us that. But let's be honest, there are times, I mean, there are circumstances in in your life, in our lives, that that what we know about God, what we believe about God seems to get overwhelmed by what we feel about what's happening around us and to us. There are times when life doesn't make any sense at all in general, like losing a child doesn't make any sense at all. Or a cancer diagnosis. Or having your spouse walk out of you, you know, after 15 or 20 years of marriage, you know, and you thought it was going to last forever. Or, or losing a job. 
or, or, or having the economy collapse and you lose all of your savings. Or maybe after years of following Christ, you fall headlong back into an addiction that you thought you had victory over. And you continue to struggle with hidden sin. That doesn't make any sense either. And suddenly all of our circumstances around us in our lives seem like, like they're telling us, you're on your own. God's not there for you. God really doesn't care about you. God can't fix this. God is done with the likes of you. You're a loser. There are times where when we, what we know, right, when we know that we can trust God here, right, but, but what's happening out here causes us to question that truth in here. And I think most of us have at one point or another experienced that. We've all said, God, where are you? God, do you really love me? God, will you really save me? Because I really know who I am. Are you really going to help me, Lord? God, can I really trust you? And, and, and like I said, that's exactly what this series is about. Trusting God in those times. Trusting God even when the rest of your life and all of your circumstances seem to be screaming, no, you cannot trust him. And last week we kicked off this series and we began talking about trusting God to save us when we fall on our faces into sin. Because I think if you've been a Christian for very long, you come to figure out that, you know, giving your life to Jesus means, doesn't mean you won't sin again. Right? You will struggle with sin. It's an ongoing thing. And there are those times where you begin to wonder, right? Will God really save me? I mean, I keep making the same mistakes over and over again. I keep doing the same things. In fact, I keep repenting of the same sin over and over and over again. I keep asking for forgiveness. I keep giving it to the Lord. I keep saying, Lord, help me from this. I turn away from this, and then I keep doing the same thing. Will God really save someone like me? And the answer is absolutely yes. He will save all those who truly trust him. Because God is not some tiny little pool of grace that evaporates into thin air. God's grace is an unlimited ocean that never runs dry for those who actually, truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to encourage you to take some time and go back and listen to that message. There's a lot that we covered. And you can listen to that on our church website or our SoundCloud page. Or if you want a CD of it, just give us one of those information request cards. And we will make sure that that happens next week for you. But the address for those websites is in your bulletin. But this week, we're going to really talk about trusting God. We find ourselves in need. Because I think we kind of all know what that's about. I mean, how many of you at some point in your life have been dead broke? Right? Yeah, I, I think we, we've all been there. There have been times in my own life where I've been, you know, my favorite thing to say is, is I'm so broke I can't even pay attention. I know what it's like to be in need, I, I, and as do most of you. In fact, some of you might even be in need today. You found yourself in need. You need gas money, right? You need money to fix the car, but don't have enough money to fix it. You need to pay the electric bill, and it's, and it's doubled, right? Because it's like 100 degrees you know, plus for like the last 30 days. Or, or there's this unexpected doctor bill or, or multiple doctor bills, Right, that sneak up on you. Maybe you've missed some time at work because of an illness or, you know, or, or an injury or maybe you know, um, a family emergency and your income is dropped. And because of that, you find yourself kind of getting behind. 
Or maybe you've just been laid off and you're struggling you know, to find work and, and your resources are drying up really fast. Or maybe someone you love is in desperate need and you're sacrificing financially and materially to, to help them. I think that's just something that's more and more common nowadays. You know, with, with, with adult, young adults struggling to, to find work, parents are having to support their younger adults longer. And our parents need help longer. And so you find yourself sacrificing and coming out of pocket to meet their needs, and it's a burden and it's a difficulty. Or perhaps you're in need because someone you love, or maybe even you, has mismanaged your finances. And you've squandered your money. Or maybe you're just in need because no one has ever really even taught you how to manage your finances. And so you're always constantly in need. I think we all know what it's like to be there. And and, and what's more complicated than that is we live in a town right now that's surrounded by people who are in desperate need. And and it's a growing issue. In, In fact, our pantry right now is empty again. Right? It's because, because the need is so great. In fact, when we do have food, Brother Richard, when he gives out food, he gives out probably 10 to 20 boxes a week. Am I right? right? We're talking about 200 to 500 pounds of food a week coming out of our church when we have it. Right? And, and Brother Mike and, and his wife, Sarah, they uh, run an annual clothing drive where they give away probably two full pickup bed loads of clothing to kids to get, ready, get them ready to go back to school. And we've been doing that for 10 years. Not to mention every week, people call the church and they stop by the church asking for help with things like gas money so they can, get, they can go to the doctor's appointment or to get a ride from Cal City to pick up their medications or to, to help pay a utility bed and on and on, utility bill and on and on and on. And the, the worst part is we just don't have the resources and we have to turn a lot of people away because we don't have the resources to meet all of those needs. It's overwhelming how much need there is. There's a great need in our community right now, and I think we all can relate to that on some level because we ourselves have been in a situation where we're in need. And the troubling part about being in need is that it tends to become the dominant thought in your life. Like when you're hurting and you're in need, it becomes a thing that you think about. It tends to become the dominant theme in your entire life. It, te- it tends to consume us because, because it's hard to concentrate on anything else when you are broke. When, 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 you, when, when you have real felt needs, it's hard to concentrate on other things. It's hard to be optimistic. It's, it's hard to, to think about other things when you are struggling to make ends meet. I mean, I remember when, when Kim and I first moved to Boron, it, it was during the height of the, the recession in, in 2008. And we moved here because our desire was to situate our lives and to simplify things so that I could concentrate and, and follow the calling that I believe that God had placed in my life to be in the ministry. And we thought that when we would get to Boron, I mean, we, this was the plan. we get to Boron, right? I would get a job quickly, and, and then we would just move on like normal. And, and moving here, I found that getting work in that time frame here was harder than I expected. It was, and it was really strange for me because I'd always, in my entire life, always been able to get a job. Like, I've never been unemployed very long at all, maybe a couple of days. All my life, I, I, I was always able to get, get work, right? But for some reason... Things just weren't working out the way I had planned for them to work out, the way that I expected them. And so our savings began to dry up really fast. And I began, and we began to be in real serious need. And I began to worry. 
and get frustrated. You ever know what that's like? I begin to wonder and doubt what was God doing, right? I mean, I believe with all my heart that he brought us here, but now here I am and things are hard. And I wasn't expecting for things to be hard. And I began to feel like a failure. You ever felt like that? I began to feel, you know, my, my thoughts began to consume me, right? Because, because of the need that we had, because we were hurting. And so it was really a scary time. And, and, and it was, but it was during that time period that, that, that God began to deal with my heart about really learning to trust in him, trusting him during my time of need when everything around me seemed to indicate that God was not going to take care of me. And so the challenge for me then in my life was, will I actually sell out and follow God and trust him when the storm is raging outside? Will I trust him when it doesn't seem like the sun is ever going to come up? Will, will I trust in God when it doesn't make sense to the world to trust him? Now, now you have to know, this whole issue of being in need, this is not anything new. This is something that, that every generation has faced from the very beginning of time. How much, how can I trust God when I'm in real need? And not just how can I trust God when I'm in, I'm in need. How can I actually live for God? Right? It's one thing to trust Him. It's a whole other thing to trust Him enough to live full out for Him. How can I trust God and live for Him when I'm struggling? That was the, 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 big, the question. I mean, in fact, the big question is this. If you choose God, if I choose God as my maker and and place my value and my worth and my source of security in God in heaven, who will take care of me and my daily needs on the earth? If I devote myself to focus on God and his kingdom, who will make sure I have what I need to live my life here on the earth? That's really the question. That's what what we wrestle with. With here and now. And that's the question people have wrestled with since the very beginning, especially when things are hard. Because again, it's easy to trust God when, when things are easy, when, 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 when life is good. But when life hits you full on in the face and it doesn't seem like there's a way out, what about then? Because when you're in need, it's really hard to think about anything else. In fact, when you're in need, it can cause. It can cause people like us to make bad decisions. I think we, some of us might be able to relate to that, right? Making bad decisions when you're in need. Think payday loans, right? I mean, if you're talking about a bad decision, payday loans is it. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't have its place, but I know people that get payday loans, and suddenly they're on the payday loan like, like revolving door, and they can't get off. In fact, I knew one person who was getting payday loans today to go right down the street and pay the payday loan they got the last time, and they had this big cycle of payday loans that was just growing, and they couldn't figure... I mean, it is... When you're in need, you can make bad decisions, like living off credit cards. I mean, 24 28% interest. We don't have any money, but let's spend $5,000 on Christmas and see if we can pay it off in the next two years, right? When you're in need, you can make bad decisions like, you know, making bad priority decisions like, oh, I need to pay the electric bill. It's going to shut it off, but man... I need to pay for Christmas, my birthday presents for my kid. Sometimes you've got to make sacrifices. And electricity, I'm telling you, is really, really important. Or, or how about this? You're just in need, and so you've got to sell stuff. And you've got to sell stuff you like, and it's valuable to you. And, you. and guess what? You don't even get what's the value out of it. You get It's cheap, right? Being in need causes you to make bad decisions. And it can also cause people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. 
My dad used to tell me as we put locks on things, you know, like on our trucks and stuff, he said, that's just to keep an honest man honest. I go, what do you mean by that? He says, man, because well, really a criminal can get into that. It just keeps honest people honest. He says, because when people get into tough situations, their honesty begins to wane. And, and, and the thing is, it's true because, because, because not everyone, I mean, most people will tell you that stealing is wrong and they believe that stealing is wrong. But then when their life situation gets bad and they get, become in need, suddenly justifications begin to, uh, to build up in their head. Same thing with cheating people. Some, most people wouldn't cheat someone intentionally, but sometimes like, there's that temptation when, when, thing, when you need that extra couple of bucks or to manipulate people. Or sometimes people don't make good on their, on their, on their word to pay their debts because they're in need and they just, just forego paying you know, the, the people that they owe money to. When people are in need, there's a temptation also not to be completely honest there's a temptation to take shortcuts and fly under the radar. There's a temptation to really be self-serving and self-centered and not think about other people. And like I said, this isn't something new. This has been something that's happening all the way back to Jesus and beyond. In fact, this is such an important issue that Jesus himself deals with it in Matthew chapter 6. So again, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading in verse 25. And what I want to do is before we actually dive into the text, um, I, I want to just lay everything out front and tell you right up front what the point is. Okay? I want you to know what the point of this text is. What is Jesus driving at in this text? And so once we, once we talk about that, then what we'll do is go through the verses and we'll unpack it all. right? And that we will see how it all fits together and then see why this is important to Jesus' audience then and also to our, to our lives today. Now the point of this text is... Jesus calls every one of us to rise to the challenge to trust God daily in every situation, regardless of our circumstances. That's the point. We are to rise to the occasion. We are to rise to the challenge. And believe me, sometimes it is a challenge. It is a real challenge. Right? We need to rise to the challenge of trusting God in every single way. Every single day, regardless of the situation or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Because ultimately, that's what we're called to do. That's what faith is. Trusting God in every situation, in every circumstance, regardless of how things look around us. As our, as our text tells us, as our text from uh, the series in Proverbs chapter 3 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. We're to trust God with all of our hearts and who we are. We're to trust God with every single part of our individual lives. Every single day, regardless of all of our circumstances, regardless of what's happening around us. That's the point. Now, let's take a look at the text. Jesus says, Therefore... I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, I want you to notice the first thing that Jesus says is the word, therefore. In Bible study 101, you want to learn how to study your Bible and begin to make sense out of how the Bible's put together. When you see the word, therefore, it should cause you to stop and say, what is that word, therefore? What is therefore, therefore? Because it's there for a purpose. There's a reason why that word exists. And the reason why it's there, the reason why it's important, is because therefore is a connecting word. It's not, you don't read it as the beginning of a thought and continue on. That, that word is connecting the thought that you're reading with its immediate context and everything around it. 
and the word therefore to help get a better handle on how it is working out in the text. You can actually switch that word therefore out with in light of or because of. Let me show you what I mean. Jesus says in light, uh, Jesus is saying in light of that or because of that, do not be anxious about your life. That's, that's, That's how you can translate it. In light of what I just said, do not be anxious about your life, is another way to put that. So what Jesus is saying is, in light of what I just said before, what I'm about to say right now, this is what you do. So what did Jesus say before? That's a really important point. Well, what he said before begins in verse 19. And he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's the setup. So in the section before our text, what Jesus is saying is you can't have two masters. You can't serve God and also money. You can't put your trust fully in God and money. You can either lean on God as the foundation of your security for your life, or you can lean on money, but you can't lean on both of them. Either God is your savior, protector, and provider, or your money and your financial resources are your savior, provider, and protector. Not both. But the problem is, people try to have both. They try to say, well, you know, Lord, I trust you. I I really do. But all this, I, I just need to set aside for the future so I don't have the resources to help with that or to contribute with that. Yeah, I know that I should sell out and really get busy living for you and doing what you're calling me to do, but I really need to work a lot of overtime so I can build up my retirement so I can spend the rest of my life walking on the beach picking up seashells. Yeah, I know that you want me to live for you, Lord, but, but, I, but I really need to think about the future and, and my kids' college education and paying for the mortgage and, and saving for a rainy day and... You see, people have a tendency to to want to trust God and follow God as long as it lines up with their priorities. It's easy to follow God when his plans are your plans. But what about when he asks you to sacrifice? Because if you walk with God very long, there's going to come a point he's going to ask you to sacrifice something. What about when God says, let go of your future plans? That everything that your hopes and dreams are built on, your future plans, everything you thought was your life. And God says, no, i got something else for you. What about then? What, what, what if he calls you to take a financial risk or a personal risk? What if he says, hey, I need for you to just completely sell out and look like that crazy fool and get on the street and start proclaiming the name of Jesus? What about then? Suddenly trusting God doesn't seem to make sense. Jesus, in this previous section, is calling people to get their priorities straight and to trust God and not their own wealth. And then Jesus says, therefore, or in light of that, 
Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. In light of the fact that you need to trust God in his kingdom, which never fades, right? More than you trust your wealth, which can be lost or stolen or destroyed. In light of that, don't be anxious for your life. Now, another translation says, don't be worried about your life. Another one says, don't be solicitous about your life. Another one says, do not be careful about your life, which is kind of a weird expression. But all of these things have, they fall into that range of meaning of what's, what's in the Greek here. The phrase in the text, to be anxious, really means to be worried or to be concerned. Right? It's to be thoughtful or to give thought to or a lot of thought to. And what Jesus is saying is not to be worried about your life. Do not be concerned about it. Do not be anxious about it. Don't spend all your time thinking about it. But instead, but instead, trust in God. Because when you worry, and when you are anxious about your life and your needs, the truth is you are not really fully trusting God. In fact, Jesus later on says, do not we be worried about those things because even the Gentiles, or unbelievers is what he's talking about, even the unbelievers, you know, worry about those things. Unbelievers worry about their life. Unbelievers worry about their needs. And really, they, they have every right to. Why? Because they don't know God. Right? They can't lean on him. They have very good reason to worry. But Jesus says to believers, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Now, one of the things that I need to understand is, is, is this, this word anxious and being concerned are not always bad things. It might seem like it, but when you read it in context in the Bible, you find that it's not. In fact, the Greek word here for this phrase, to be anxious, is medium now. Medium now is the Greek word, right? And, and that word doesn't always convey a bad idea. In fact, it can be a good idea, such as when you have medium now, or concern, or worry for the welfare of others. The Christian life is about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving other people. We are called to care about the welfare of other people. And so when you see someone who is struggling in need, it is good, it is right to be concerned or to to worry about their welfare. It's a good thing. We have a lady that came, comes to the first service. Her name is Marge. A few weeks ago, um, I saw her in and out of here. And then she comes and talks to me. And there's a guy across the street who lives in that little mobile home. He was, he was having some medical issues. And she saw it. She was concerned about it. And she was trying to do something about it. It was good that she was concerned. It was good that she was worried enough to get the ambulance involved to do something about it. It's also good to be concerned about the work of the Lord. You see, when you look at the world around us and you see that the culture is rejecting God at, at a greater and greater rate, and there's still billions of people, billions of people who do not know Christ, who have not heard the gospel yet, it's a good thing to feel a burden. It's a good thing to feel concern. It's a good thing to feel a certain heaviness for them. Right? I would even go far to say it's good to even feel a little worry and anxiety for those people, at least on some level, because, because think about this. People who die apart from the knowledge of Christ, people who do not know Christ, regardless of what their family says or what their friends say, they do not go to a better place. 
If a person does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they don't go to a better place. They will stand before a holy and righteous God. They will be covered in their sins, and God will righteously judge them and pronounce them guilty. And then they will then be cast into hell for an eternity. And millions and millions and millions of people die every day not knowing Christ, which means... Every day, millions of people step off into eternity to find hells waiting for them. And if the prospect of that doesn't cause you to be at least a little anxious and a little bit worried and concerned, at least a little bit, then you might not really understand the gospel. You might not really understand what's at stake. You might not really even love your fellow man. Because hell is a horrible prospect. For anyone to face. But the worst part is it's unnecessary. Because Christ died to pay for our sins. So we can be saved. We just need but trust in him. So the fact is it's good to be concerned about the work of the Lord. It's good to be concerned about international missions to spread the gospel. It's good to be concerned about feeding the poor. It's good to be concerned about making sure your own children that your own children really, truly, fully understand who Christ is and that they have a, a saving relationship with them and that they are saved. So the idea of concern and being anxious really isn't itself a bad thing. So what causes it to be bad? I mean, I mean what, 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 what causes worry and anxiety to be wrong? Well, they are wrong when they are misdirected. Worry is wrong when, you, when it's misdirected. In other words, when you worry about things that you shouldn't worry about. And I think that we, we all do that sometimes. I gave up, like, really following um, professional sports. I mean, I care about teams. And I like watching it. But I used to get stinking worked up. I'm like, why? I mean, like, really, it's not benefiting me anything, right? But worse than that, right? There are people who worry about, like, like cataclysms, like, like an asteroid hitting the earth. I mean, there are people that worry about that. They get, they get sick to their stomach thinking about it. They are concerned about it. And, and the problem is, is it's, it's, it's unnecessary to worry about that. You know why? Because if an asteroid hit the earth, what are you going to do? Nothing. Right? You're not going to do anything. Right? And what's your worry going to accomplish? Nothing. It won't stop it. It won't fix it. It's not going to change it. So, so that kind of worry is really misdirected. Worry and concern and anxiety are also wrong when it's in the wrong proportion. See, sometimes things in life is just about balance. And I think we all know something about having worries get out of proportion. How many of you have been so worried and so concerned about something that you can't even hardly function? You can't even hardly move. I mean, you're so worried you can't eat. You're so worried you can't sleep. You're so concerned and anxious you can't do your job. All you can think about is the thing that you're worrying about. That right there is worry that is out of proportion. When worry consumes you, that's when worry goes wrong. But most importantly, concern and worry and anxious go wrong when your concern indicates a lack of trust in God. 
Because there comes a point when your worry and concern isn't a reflection of how much you actually care about something. It's a reflection of the fact that you lack trust in, the, in God to care about something. And that's really the point that Jesus is driving at here. You see, he's not saying, do not have concern for your life at all. Because you do need on some level, let's just be honest, you need some level to be concerned about your life and your well-being. You need to take care of yourself. You have a responsibility to steward what God has given you. And God's given you a life that you need to take care of. And so, yes, you need to be concerned about your life a little bit. So he's not saying you don't have any concern for your life. Instead, what he's saying is don't let your concern for your life get out of proportion. Don't let taking care of yourself become something that dominates your life. You shouldn't worry about, about and concern yourself about your life and your needs to the point that it's the, most thing, it's the thing that you're most concerned about. And that's what he's saying. And he's certainly saying, don't let your concern be rooted in the, your lack of trust in God. Don't let the reason why you're worried be, be the fact that you just don't trust God to take care of you. And that's what Jesus means when he says, do not be anxious about your life. Now, in this context, what does Jesus mean by your life? Because I have heard a lot of people talk about this, and I think a lot of them are wrong about this. He says, don't be anxious about your life. What does he mean? Well, the good thing is, is there's a context here, and he tells us. It means your basic needs for life. That's what it means. When Jesus says, don't worry about your life, he's talking about your basic needs. In fact, let's look at the text. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And then he goes and tells you, what is your life about? He says, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So Jesus is talking about your basic needs to survive. He's talking about food, water, and clothing. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about food, water, and clothing. And in context, what he's saying is don't worry about money and don't put your trust in money. Because money and treasure are temporal. They can be stolen. They can be destroyed. So don't trust in your money, but trust in God. Don't take all of your resources and hoard them for yourselves. Don't take all that you have and keep it for yourself, but instead focus your life and your attention on God. Focus your mind and and, and heart on expanding the kingdom of God. Get busy serving God with all that you have and all that you heart and all your hearts. And when you do that, you're, you're putting away treasure that can't be stolen, that can't be lost, and that can't be destroyed. Therefore, he says, in light of that, don't even worry about the basic things that you need. Don't don't worry about food, water, and clothing. Don't worry about hoarding enough stuff to make sure that you have enough to get by. Get busy serving him. Now, the thing that you need to understand is you have to really put this in the cultural context. Because... The people he was talking to, he was talking to then, this is a radical commandment for those people. This is a radical teaching for the people in the first century because they lived at a time of desperate poverty. And we're talking about the majority of people. We're talking about like upwards of 90% plus of people were desperately poor. The vast majority of, of people had to spend their time working to provide for their daily food needs, and their daily clothing needs. 
So these people were not worried about saving enough money to get an Xbox for their kid. Okay? They weren't worried about saving enough money or having enough money to put a new tire on the trailer so they can go camping for vacation. They weren't worried about having enough hot dogs in the freezer for the barbecue so they don't have to actually get in the car, go to Lancaster, and go to Costco. It's not, their, their needs were much more elementary. Their everyday life was about getting up every single morning and getting to work in order to make enough money to provide for the needs, the basic life needs for that day. Food, water, and clothing. And they work from daylight to dark. And this didn't even include shelter, okay? We're talking about food, water, and clothing. This isn't even saying about shelter. Food, water, and clothing. In fact, the reason why clothing was so important, it, it was illegal to actually take someone's outer garment as, as collateral for a debt because, because it was essential to their life. A person could freeze to death if they got caught out without it. So we're talking about people having to do things to meet needs. Otherwise, they die. And Jesus is saying, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't be overly concerned about those things. Don't concern, be concerned about these things to the point that you have to live for these things. Right? Don't let your concern get out of proportion. Don't obsess about the basic little things in life. And certainly don't allow your worry to cause you not to trust in God. And don't allow these things to keep you from following Him and getting busy serving Him and making Him the master of your life. He says, you need to trust God, that He's going to take care of you. And, and then what He does is He gives them the reasons why He can trust God. Let's look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And this is a, an elementary illustration, but it really gets to the point. I mean, these birds don't have savings accounts. They don't store up extra for tomorrow. They, in fact, they don't even worry about tomorrow. They just go out and they feed them. They, they eat what they find for the day. They don't worry about tomorrow, and God takes care of them. And then he asks an important question. He says, are you not much more value than they? Now, this is a question that if you were to ask people today, they would get this wrong. Right? But the answer is absolutely yes, of course. Mankind is the crowning achievement of God's creation. And mankind is created in the very image of God. Of course, he is more valuable than the birds that God makes a point to take care of and feed. God, mankind is more important and more valuable than any other animal. And God takes care of them. He says, which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? So he's saying, you can't worry. It doesn't even like solve anything, right? You can't make yourself live longer. I mean, you might maybe make yourself live, live shorter, right? Because worry contributes to bad health issues. You can't make yourself taller by worrying. You can't make your, change your hair color by worrying. You can't add hairs to your head by worrying. And he says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory, are not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the field of the grass, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, like yesterday's trash, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Which is really the issue. The issue isn't the fact that you have needs. The issue is 
trusting God? Do you allow your immediate physical needs to squelch your ability to trust in God? Then he says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Now, we can spend a month of Sundays just on the, the last couple of section, the verses here. But, but I want you to notice in this section, Jesus gives his audience several reasons why they can trust God. And this morning, I just want to just discuss three of them really, really briefly. The reason why we can, and we, why we should not worry and not be anxious, and the reason why we can trust God with our basic needs is because God is sovereign. It begins with His sovereignty. God has the ability to faithfully take care of His creation. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what He's demonstrating. God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing, and He's completely in control, and He can and He does provide for the needs of His, of his creatures. That's why He said, look at the birds of the air. That's why He said... Your heavenly Father feeds them. God feeds the birds even though they don't even concern themselves with their needs. They don't even concern themselves with anything else. They don't have any ideas of heaven or hell or or life. They just live. But God takes care of them. And then he says, consider the lilies of the field. Even the grass itself gets a covering. God in his sovereign ability, he's so sovereign and so powerful, he has the ability to take care of something as insignificant as, as providing for you know, beautiful coverings for the grass, which means he has the power. Okay? I want you to hear this. God has the power to and the ability to take care of you. This is a great reason to trust God. And the second reason why you can trust God is because of his trustworthiness. God is trustworthy and he promises, he promises to provide for your daily needs. Jesus said, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things, all your basic needs, food, water, clothing, will be added to you. They'll be given to you. God promises to take care of those who follow him. And the one thing that we need to understand very clearly is that God always, always, always keeps his promises. In fact, that's what the resurrection tells us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us that God keeps his promises. Jesus' resurrection from the dead after he died for your sins on the cross is proof that Jesus is what he claimed to be and and, and proof that you can trust him to keep the promises that he's promised. And he promised to save you from your sins. He promised to never leave you or forsake you. And he promised to take care of you. And the third reason why you can trust God is because of his compassion. God is compassionate. God loves you. I don't know if you've really ever like thought about that and let that really sink in. I mean, God, the almighty creator of the universe. The universe is 96 billion light years across is what they can see. And God stands outside of all that. That God loves you tiny little speck in the universe, loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he crushed his own son for you. The Apostle Paul 
tells us in his letter to the Romans, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? God loves you, and he demonstrated that love for you. And because he loves you, he's promised to take care of you, and he he knows what you need. Jesus said, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father, I want you to notice this, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Okay? Again, I want you to really like process that. God knows what you individually need. You ever feel like nobody really knows me? Nobody really understands me? Nobody really knows what I need? I'm telling you, God knows what you need. He knows what you need before you even ask. God knows you intimately. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows all the details of your life. He even knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, some of us, that's not a big deal. But for most of you, it is. God loves you, and he knows you, and he knows what you need. And, and, And the thing, and that kind of knowledge indicates love. How can you know so much about someone unless you care? How can you know so much about someone's needs unless you're intimately aware of them? <clears throat> I know my kids. I don't know what they need. Right? I do. And the reason why I do is because I pay attention, because I care. I love them. God knows you, and he knows what you need because he loves you. So you can trust God to take care of you when you're in need because God has the power to take care of you. God has promised take care of you, and he loves you enough to take care of you. So, don't worry. Or as Mr. Brown always tells me when he walks in the door, don't worry, be happy. Don't obsess, don't freak out when things get hard. When you're struggling to make that car payment, when you're struggling to scrape enough together out of the pantry to make one more meal before payday, when you're struggling to pay that unexpected doctor bill, don't be anxious. Trust in God. And, and especially, don't let yourself, allow yourself to worry to the point that you find that you don't have time to spend with God. That you don't have time to to, uh, serve God. That you don't have time to contribute to his kingdom. Don't be anxious. Don't worry when you need to trust in God. Now, what does this actually mean then for our day-to-day lives? How do we we live this way? Well, first I want to talk to you about what this doesn't mean. Because I'll just tell you, there are a lot of errors that get associated with this text. Because I think sometimes people take things beyond what Christ is, is, is actually talking about. So, so let me just tell you what this is not. Trusting God to meet our needs does not mean we are to be frivolous. There are some people that actually use this as an excuse to just not be good financial stewards, to be frivolous. You know, people just spend the money as fast as they can and say, oh, you know, God will take care of it. I don't worry about that stuff because God will provide. And yes, he does provide without question. But God does not reward excess, and he doesn't reward bad stewardship. God expects us to steward the resources he gives us, because guess what? It ain't yours anyway. It's his. It also doesn't mean we shouldn't plan ahead. A lot of people say, well, I don't worry about retirement. I don't worry about about none of that stuff, because God will take care of me. And that's the truth. We should depend on God that way. But at the same time, we should be good stewards. This is not an admonition not to have a savings account. This is, Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't, 
put a little aside for emergencies. Right? He's not saying that we shouldn't start beginning to put away a few resources to, to begin to help along the way as we get to the point in our lives right, that we can't work anymore and provide for ourselves and suddenly become a burden to our families. What he's saying is you can't trust in those things. You can't trust in them to take care of you. Only God can really do that. And so you should not make them your priority. Not, not that you don't have them. You don't make them your gods or your priority in your life. Right? You are to make the priority your love and service to God. And then he also says, right, or, or actually he, he doesn't say that we shouldn't have you know, savings account, that we shouldn't save money. That's just foolishness. And he certainly didn't say, God is going to take care of all your wants. Because <laughs> he didn't say that. I want to be clear. And this is an important thing to understand. Because there is a huge difference between your needs and, and your wants. You need food. But you want high-speed internet. Now, my kids will tell you that, that high-speed internet is a need. But it's really not. Right? You need clothing but you want Amazon Prime and Netflix, right? And so what you need to understand is just because you are struggling and don't have all the things that you want doesn't mean that God isn't faithful to you, taking care of you and providing for all of your needs. Moving here um, and leaving behind a career that I did with the income that I did, Kim and I learned really, really fast there was a big difference between our needs and wants. There was a point we needed transportation. What we wanted was a brand new Chevy Suburban. Guess what? You don't always get what you want. So, so what is this? So this is what the teaching doesn't mean. What does it actually mean then? Well, it means we're to trust God in every possible way. I know we said that, but you can't overstate that, and it can't be. We can't like stop. Or we can't not think about that. We need to trust God. In every possible way, whether the sun is shining or the rain is pouring. We need to trust God when we have more than we need or when we are just barely scraping by. We're to trust God in every possible way, in every facet of your life. We belong to Him. We are His children. We're to be completely and totally trusting Him. Even when the world is telling you everything's stacked against you. It also means... The focus of our lives is to be the kingdom of God. This is the part of the text that so many people forget or just don't fully understand. Trusting in God isn't simply about living our happy little lives the way we want to, as if God is his cosmic butler up there, his, our, our, our attendant, who is just waiting for us to, to help us whenever we become in need. That is not how it is. No. We are saved to live in and get busy spreading the kingdom of God. Notice that Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. This is so important. Once you put your hope in Christ, once you trust God to save you, the focus of your life, it's supposed to change. It's not about you anymore. It's about God and his kingdom. God didn't save you so you can simply just live to clean up, a cleaned up version of your old life. He saved you 
He didn't save you so that you could live self-centered in your own interest all the days of your life. He saved you to be an ambassador for the kingdom. He saved you to bring glory to his name and hope to the hopeless. Paul tells us in Ephesians, it's one of the most famous verses, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Amen. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Amen. Not the result of works so that no one may boast. The foundation of our faith. Amen. But notice the next word. For. Because is another way to say for. For. Because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God has prepared beforehand. He's already set them aside. He's already got them ready. Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means do them. You were created to spread the kingdom of God. You were created to make a difference. You were created not to be part of the problem, but to be part of the solution. You were created to be an instrument in the hands of the almighty God. That is why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be handed to you. Which ultimately means, if we sell out for God and His kingdom, He will make sure that we lack nothing for life and mission. We make sure we don't have any, we don't lack anything for life and mission. If you will put God first and make sure, if you make if you put God first in your life, He will make sure that you have everything you need to do whatever He has called you to do. You see, trusting God isn't simply about just, just having confidence in Him and just depending on Him and just be vulnerable in His hands. Trusting God is also about making Him the priority of your entire life, making Him the center of your life. Trusting God is about prizing Him and cherishing Him above all things. Trusting God is about adopting the attitude of, Yes, Lord. So when He calls you to repent, the answer is, Yes, Lord. When He calls you to serve, the answer is, Yes, Lord. When he calls you to grow, the answer is the same. Yes, Lord. When he calls you to depend on him, yes, Lord. When he calls you to trust him, when, when nothing else makes sense, he calls you to trust, on, trust in him to take care of you, the answer is the same. Yes, Lord. That's what the kingdom of God is about. And, and the promise is for those who do that, for those who seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that they need in their life and for the mission of God will be given to them. It be granted to them. For those who truly trust and depend on God, God will absolutely, without question, provide. See, when Kim and I got to Boron 10 years ago, as I said, we were struggling to make ends meet because the plan was not working. I mean, it just didn't fit. And I really began to struggle and worry. And I actually got to the point I was falling into depression, again, which is new territory for me. And I began to feel worthless as a man, and I felt, you know, felt like I was failing my family because I took very seriously the command of God to take care of the members of your family. I think I believe that that, that, is, that is a command from God, you know, that, that we are responsible to take care of the members of our family. And I felt like I was failing. And, and, and so my thoughts grew dark and I was, I was having trouble sleeping. And I was having trouble even just communicating to people because we were in so much need. And it got to the point where it was getting in the way of my relationship with God itself. I mean, I couldn't even concentrate to read the Bible. I would actually like open the Bible up and I'd look at the words. And I know I was reading something, but I couldn't even remember what I read. It just was not sinking in. I couldn't take it in. And I even struggled to pray. 
I would make time to pray. I would make a point to pray. But I would sit there, and I couldn't even, like, get words to come. I just couldn't. I just, I would sit there for 30 minutes, an hour. Like, I just couldn't put a thought together of what to say to God. But somewhere in my heart, by God's grace and the work of His Spirit in my life, one day, as I was trying to pray, four words came out of my mouth. Four words. I trust you, Lord. That's all I could say. That's all I could muster. But that became my prayer every day. I trust you, Lord. And whenever things got hard and I thought about my situation, I trust you, Lord. When that anxiety would build up in me, I trust you, Lord. When I began to worry, I trust you, Lord. And I began to, to, to say that. I began to pray that. I began to, to believe that. And I began to live it. And when that happened, I began to really depend on God. God began to really show himself faithful. I mean, there was times where people would just stop by with resources that we needed out of the blue, right when we needed them. There would be times when, like, Kim's like, we need this much money. And then I'd get a little job that was exactly what we needed, down to the penny, for what our needs were. And, and, and the thing is, it wasn't like a one-time thing. It wasn't a fluke thing. It's happened week after week after week after week. I mean, you can ask my wife. She'd be like, we need, we need money for this. We don't have the money for that. Phone ring. Hey, come take care of this, okay? It's exactly what we needed. It was all the way, it was week after week like that. And, and what happened was, is um, I began to see that the struggle that I was going through was actually from God's own hand to teach me to really trust him. Because at that point, <laughs> I thought I'd trust in God, but I didn't. I mean, I trusted in my own abilities. I trusted in, in my, my skills as to, you know, to work. I trusted in my ability to make money. I trusted in my instincts. I trusted in, in, in the history of my success that I've always worked and, and went from job to job making more and more money. But I wasn't really like depending on God to see me through. So God used that time in my life to change my heart and to bring me to a place where I can trust him regardless of the circumstances that surrounded me. And, and, and so there's, there's two things I want to I leave you with before we go. Sometimes God allows you to struggle. And he allows you to be in need. Because he wants you to see where your heart and your trust really is. That's not a very popular thing to say. <laughs> that's not something people are, oh, pastor said the most encouraging thing today. No, that's not probably the most encouraging thing you've heard. But it's the truth. You see, God doesn't promise to give you what you want. He promises to give you what you need. And sometimes what you need is you need to struggle a little bit. Sometimes you need to experience difficulty. Sometimes you need to be refined in the fire to see where your heart really is so you can see where God needs to grow you. And in those times, you will find, I promise you, if you will trust Him in those times, you will find the greatest kind of intimacy with God. In those times when things are super hard, you'll find intimacy trusting in Him. There's a, a person who is very near and dear to my family who said that when things were good, I never really, really even, I just thought I believed in God and trusted him. It wasn't until things got really, really hard in my life 
that I really truly trusted in him and, be- and believed in him. God will sometimes allow you to go through difficulties to teach you to trust him. The second thing is, and this is my admonition, is when you find that you're in need, don't wait. Don't wait to turn to God and throw yourself upon his grace and grab a hold of him and trust in him. Don't wait wallowing in your sorrow. Don't wait until you're in full-on depression like I was. Turn to God now and and trust in him. Trust that he has the ability to take care of you. Trust that he has promised to take care of you. And trust that he's loved you enough to take care of you. You can trust God even when it doesn't make any sense at all. Now, before we pray, I just want to invite you today that if you need prayer, if you need someone to comfort you and just talk with you, or you need someone to pray over you, please don't leave this building. Don't leave here without connecting with one of the deacons or one of the ministry leaders or even come talk to me. We will pray with you. And if you have not yet surrendered and trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've not actually come to faith and, put, and, and understood the gospel and put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you are ready to sincerely do that, then come to me and talk to me after the service. I'll be happy to share with you the gospel and teach you how you can put your faith in Christ and be saved and then begin to live to trust him. Brothers and sisters, you absolutely, in every possible way, every possible day, can trust in God even when it doesn't make sense. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I rejoice in that truth. I rejoice in the fact that you love me inexplicably. I rejoice in the fact that you care about me, that you sent your son to die for me. And then more than that, you have invited me to be one of your children. You have adopted me, you've reconciled me. And then on top of that, you said you'll never leave me or forsake me. And then you says, you say that you'll provide for me, you'll take care of me. Lord, I praise you for that, that all I need is to trust in you. I know that it's not a magic pill or a magic button, but ultimately I can trust the fact that you're going to work all things together for, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And I love you, Lord. I thank you for that. And I think that, thank you that, that we can know that and be confident in that. And I pray, Father, that every one of our hearts would be moved to that and to understand that. That, Lord, we walk out of here just singing your praises, knowing we can depend on you, that we can trust you in every possible way. And I pray, Father God, that you move all our hearts to then, to, to then worship and then rejoice and then allow that to be the fuel that we need to go out into this community and spread that hope around, Father. Let us not keep it in here, Lord. Help us to go out into that community and the rest of the world and tell people about the hope that's in Jesus, the hope of the gospel, Lord God, so that they too can be saved and they too can trust you and depend on you. And I pray, Father God, that you're glorified in that. And I pray for all those who are on vacation that, that are missing uh, from, from, from church this morning. And I pray that you'd see them home safely. I pray that you'd meet every person where they need to be met today. Be glorified in our midst. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.